Oh god. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> You can always bleep out whatever I say. It's fine. I haven't bleeped anything yet. Oh, can I get a cool duck noise whenever I say something <laughs> offensive? Like, wah, wah, wah. Only if you make the noise. Okay. Give yeah. me a couple duck noises now. Like, run okay. a couple. Uh, here's a... So, like, give me a fuck, a crap, a shit. I mean, those are all the same. Okay, so... Give me a motherfucker. Okay, start... Give me one at a time. I'm overwhelmed with choices. Crap. <laughs> shit. <laughs> Uh, dick butt balls. That's good. I mean, I know how often you say dick butt balls. So. Yeah, it's a thing I do. Awesome. Uh, hi, welcome back to Cage Match colon a roundabout way of meeting Nicholas Cage. I am one of your two hosts, Nick, sitting with my second of two hosts, Sean. Wait a minute, I got that backwards. Yep, but I went with it. So yeah. I'm Sean, and I'm going to tell you all the racist, terrible <laughs> things I keep in my head. <laughs> uh, this is. I have not been drinking today either. This is dangerous. Um, uh, no, I'm Sean, and that's Nick. <laughs> and I don't have a racist bone in my body. With our... Uh... <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> uh, how's it going? How's just, it going, Peter? I, I have to think about all these clips I'm going to move around to make this sound not terrible. Fuck you. Impossible. That was, that was comedy gold. <laughs> it was something. Um, but yes, this is this is the podcast where we use horror life decisions in comedy to decide what is the best all time Nicolas Cage film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before we get into it, speaking of more poor life decisions, I would like to read you something sent to me by my ex spouse. Thank God, I thought it was your poetry. This is in response to uh, something that was said in the last last episode. They say I unequivocally fucking hate mouth noises. So put that in your podcast pipe and smoke it. Hmm. Thanks, dear. <laughs> There's some mouth noises for you. Don't do it. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes, uh, this week we have a treat for you. The cage match this week is The Wicker Man, actual film, and Birdie, other actual film. Yeah, no fake films today. No. No, we're, no, these we're, we're just going to talk about things that you can go out and watch for yourself and formulate your own decisions. I mean, no, don't formulate your own decisions. Listen to us. Well, obviously, our decisions are correct. Yes. But you can watch them and be like, those guys are smart, good looking. They'll maybe listen to this podcast before you decide whether or not to watch any of these movies. <sighs> I no, say I'm, always watch and I'm, then I'm listen and argue. <laughs> if you watch the po- or watch the movies before you listen to the podcast... Then when we say things that you don't like, you can just destroy us in the comment section. Right. Or yell it at your neighbor as is. Yeah. Part of the course. Just shout it at your neighbor. All right. Uh, so Birdie. Birdie was a real enjoyable movie for me. I, I really enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a, a good watch. Something I'd never heard about. No, I mean, it's as old as us. Yeah, as old as you two. Yeah, no, 1984, Birdie, Matthew Modine, and Nicolas Cage mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. play childhood friends who go to go to Vietnam. When they come back, Birdie uh, thinks he's a bird. And Nicolas Cage, Al, has to... Uh, That's a great wrap-up of it. Yeah. Like, really only talking about, like, a quarter of the movie. <laughs> I mean, that is that is the... 
premise of the film that surrounds sure. all the other stuff. There's two guys, they're childhood friends. Uh, they both end up going to Vietnam, one enlisted, one drafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them comes back with more severe or, you know, more visibly severe PTSD. And the Comically other... Comically bandaged. Comically disfigured, I would call him. Oh, I, I was thinking birdies is more visibly severe PTSD. Oh, I thought you don't really the, get uh, like Al's PTSD so much until uh, I thought you meant more just the physical deform the deformity of Nicolas Cage. In no, because like it, it just brings more, I think, to the table like Nicolas Cage, like his face is bandaged when he was in Vietnam. He was uh, hit with a bomb like or an explosion. And that ended up like fucking up his face uh you kind of meet his character in the present times after his surgery the doctor's like oh you know you can get these bandages off when you come back from seeing your friend blah 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 blah, blah. we did a skin graft it's gonna itch cool don't scratch or your ear might fall off yeah and they kind of like treat it as like oh you know your wounds are only skin deep well as you progress with his character in this time frame you see more and more that the war really affected him you see more of his ptsd and you see like it's it affected more people differently than just thinking they're birds yeah not everybody came out of vietnam thinking they were a bird just just birding quote us quote us on that yeah well i'm sure you guys probably saw this when you did your deep dives but um, I was fascinated by the fact that he actually pulled out some of his teeth for this role. Two oh, of them. Yeah. 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 Without anesthesia. I didn't read that part, yeah, but I that, that tracks and I like two it. Two teeth removed without anesthesia to give himself more of a bombed face. This guy as an actor, we're talking about Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage is just, he commits. He's a craftsman. Yeah. This is why so. I, I kind of joked about it during the adaptation episode. I can't believe he didn't just gain 50 pounds. Oh, he also lost 15 pounds. He lost 15, which I mean, that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but if you know. see him I'm at the beginning of the movie right now, it's, it's rough at the beginning of the movie. Like Nicholas Cage is fucking jacked. Yeah. Like in high school, the character is a wrestler and you see him lifting weights at one point and he's like, He's fucking cut. I do enjoy the first time we see Nicolas Cage as a high schooler. He's hanging out with actual teenagers. Oh, yeah. And it is just shocking the juxtaposition of 14-year-olds with adult Nicolas Cage, who is, as Nick pointed out, cut. Yeah. He's got those deep cum gutters. (laughs) Those (laughs) gutters. Didn't you guys have, like, one person at your high school who was just, like, weirdly an adult? Yes, his yeah, name was be- Rocco, and he drove <laughs> he drove an IROC, and he incredible. Was, he was dating the hottest blonde chick in school. Like he was the stereotype. Oh, we just had a guy who was fourteen who had like full on male, male pattern baldness, like had no hair, not like alopecia, but like just widow's peak all the way like back of his ears. Sure, that's he- the guy who gets you beer. Yeah, let's get back to Birdie or whatever. Um, so we never learned Birdie's actual name in this film. He's no, just he's always just Birdie. Yeah. I, I thought for a while his name was just actually Birdie and his mother hates his obsession with birds. And I'm like, you fucking named the kid. 
I mean, a lot of great physical acting from Matthew Modine, just sitting by toilets, hunched over. Just burdened about. Just burdened about. Al even calls him out on his inability to yeah, hop it, like a bird, fly like a bird, <laughs> eat like a bird, drink like a bird, shit like a bird. Have we actually, like, accurately said what this movie's about? I think so. Dude thinks he's a bird. And he's in a mental institution. That's the part we left out. Okay. So he's in a, a military hospital. Military hospital. Uh, they bring his buddy, Alan, played by Nicolas Cage, to help him kind of, like, see if they can jog anything out of him because he's unresponsive. He just, like, squats around and, like, does weird bird poses. And well, Yeah, they don't... The hospital doesn't know about the whole bird thing. They yeah. just know he's unresponsive. And the movie is just a a series of like flashbacks taking place from Al's point of view, basically as he meets and develops a friendship with birdie, how everything kind of relates back. So how like kind of like his fall into birdness, birditude, birditude. It's it. The flashbacks are just kind of cut in. Yeah. To the story of Al trying to help his buddy kind of. Well, there's some interesting juxtapositions they add there because a lot of these stories are completely disconnected. Kind of. Well, OK, like the flashbacks don't necessarily lead to the next flashback. No. But the flashbacks do tie into what's going on in like real time or like current day time. Knowing about the the baseball hit over. Um, yeah, Bertie's mom would uh, keep all the baseballs that came over their fence, but no nope. one ever saw them again. Yeah, like, Bertie, Bertie didn't couldn't know even find them. I'm trying to remember the connection with the car. Uh, well, because the they talk about his arrest history, Al's arrest history, oh, okay. uh, when he goes to visit, because they're kind of feeling him out for whether he needs to be in a mental institute. Yeah, How? that that doctor is a. Dick. yeah oh that doctor's a dick but his secretary fucking rules dude i wish i could just hang out and like spit on shit all the time oh i mean i don't want like vietnam ptsd but pretty cool secretary i mean which is how shitty is that you're like you're told you're going to visit your friend to help him and all the while you're just everyone's telling you hey maybe you're crazy and should be in here that right. seems like a lot I thought one thing with the car situation that was interesting is that Birdie is like pretty passive. Yeah. The entire, I mean, he's adventurous. Like he jumps off the fucking grain silo or whatever. But then it's a refinery. Oh, sorry. he doesn't seem like somebody who wants to fight. And then he gets so mad at Al's dad in that scene. I think what? he's like he's very focused in his passion uh, with things like most of the time it's birds. But preceding the scene with the car uh, you've got Birdie and um, Al. They dress up like pigeons. Birdie makes them a pigeon suit. They dress up. They go to a refinery. Sweet. They're stealing pigeons or like capturing pigeons. Okay. Their friendship develops initially. Yeah. Because. Of a bit. Yeah. And it just becomes this thing. So they're, uh, Birdie is catching and training pigeons because he thinks it would be cool. Al gets into it because some kid says that he thinks it would be cool and he would pay for one. And I was like, OK, that's cool. But then he starts like talking to Birdie and becomes friends with him. The kid's name is Mario, who is a piece of shit. Oh, anybody named Mario is a piece of shit. Well, because the way Birdie and Al meet 
is Mario's like, hey, that uh, that bird kid's out on the porch. He's got my pocket knife. So Al goes up and is like, I got a splinter. Can I borrow your knife? And Birdie pulls out a pocket knife. And Mario's like, that's my knife. He's got my knife. So Al proceeds to start trying to kick Birdie's ass to get the knife back. When it turns out it was stolen by another kid and then sold to Birdie. And it's like, you told Al's like, you told me this guy stole your knife. I was like, no, I just said he had my knife. I'm like, fuck you, Mario. Uh, fun bit in that scene when Al is trying to like grapple uh, Birdie. He like Birdie keeps kind of slipping out. And afterwards, when they've kind of realized the confusion and gotten over it all, Al's like, hey, were you ever do you wrestle? Are you a wrestler? Because uh, Al's a wrestler. And That's my one defining character trait. Yeah. And Birdie's like, no, but I think it was later that year. Matthew Modine appeared in the movie Vision Quest, which is a wrestling movie. Weird connection. That's mm. all. It's also been in a, like three Vietnam movies. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Modine has been. Yeah. Mm. Full Metal Jacket, this and oh, then yeah. one other, which I can't yeah, recall. I can't time. remember what it was called. Did you see that he actually entered or uh, auditioned for the Al role? Yeah. 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 And like, then was surprised when he didn't get it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like you, you have big introvert energy. You need <laughs> to be Birdie. Going back to the whole car story, though. I mean, was Birdie's fascination because Birdie's fascination with birds is their ability to fly initially. So is his fascination with the car and when he gets so pissed off when Al's dad sells their car, the car that they rebuild, is that because the car was his way out of Philly that he just wanted to like explore and leave and couldn't. And then because he becomes so much more introverted and starts living in his little bird coop that he's built into his room more after the fact. Um, I took it more. Okay, so I'm going to go back to what I was saying. Uh, in the preceding flashback, with all the pigeons and everything, there came a moment where they're stealing pigeons or catching pigeons. He is falling off of a refinery silo thing and decides like he can jump off and make it to this sand pile and be okay. He gets hurt in the process. His mom freaks out afterwards. And she destroys his pigeon aviary and everything. So, like, takes away all of his, like, toys, basically. Yeah. My thoughts are that in the next flashback, when they start talking about this car, it's like a sort of behavioral thing. Like, somebody who gets so into something and then is told, like, you can't have that. You can't, like, talk about it. You can't do it. They've taken away everything. You just throw yourself so far into something else. Yeah. That now it's like, well, I can't bird without being bitched at by my mom because parents just don't understand. And so I'm going to go super hard on this car with my buddy. I mean, he tries. He tries to be a normal person ish, but almost always for Al's sake. Yeah. Al wants him to do this thing with him. He can't. Like he's being grounded from being a bird. So yeah. most of Al's ideas involve finding, finding boobs. Oh, yeah. He loves a good boob. He loves a good boob. A lot of a lot of groping in this film. I mean, not a lot, but do I think kids in the 60s were touching boobs? Yep, I do. Yeah. Do I think 
they use the language that we see in the film. I mean, there's no real rough language. No. At one time, there's a a question of like, oh, you two were friends. You hung out a lot in school. And it's like, well, we're not queer for each other. And it's like, okay. Yeah, well, that's about it. Around the time of Vietnam. And he doesn't say it in a hateful fashion. No. He's just like, well, we weren't we weren't lovers. Did I think it was a poor representation of filmmaking from the 80s? No, I've seen way worse. I do love, though, just this era of film has such great abrasive ambient music. Oh, are you dogging on Peter Gabriel? I am not dogging on Peter Gabriel because this it is, is a- just a it is a thing in movies of the 80s, specifically around this time, where just ambient music for a scene is never just like it's a lot of electronic, a lot of just loud in your face music that is all there. OK, this is actually really important. Peter Gabriel was originally lined up to produce the music for this and uh, his agent or whatever was like, he doesn't have time for that. He he takes way too fucking long to make anything. So they end up kind of just getting him to do the score and they do it by having him go back through things he's recorded previously and just has around. And then they used brand new computer technology. So this is the first time it was like, like largely embraced in the film yeah. industry to use this technology to make it. So he, he started that. This is the the uh, progenitor. All right. That's pretty cool. Um, in that same vein, the there's a scene after Bertie goes to the prom, touches his first boob. Presumably. I mean, he gives it a nice little like un, like undercup, like lift and drop, yeah. um, but goes home to his bird, sleeps in the coop but has his dream of flying and that flying scene throughout the neighborhood and around. That was also the first time like the flight cam had been invented. Yeah, the, the invention of the sky cam. Yeah. It also only worked in the first take and didn't work in like subsequent takes because yeah. they couldn't get it to like go the wires right. So they had to switch back to a steady cam on an improvised boom. Because they wanted it to be faster than mm. the original Skycam shot. I, I read that as well. I, I mean, but yeah. this is also like the progenitor of like Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Yeah, no, there's great technology yeah. and advances being made in this little like $12 million indie movie. Well, in the background of a lot of these scenes, you see it, Birdie working on his wings. Yeah. And that, that's a fun scene. They go out to uh, to the dump and Birdie has his ornithopter yeah ornithopter wings ornithopter wings he's been building a small one that flies around his classroom while he's talking about how cool bird wings are and so i was like that's you know that's a pretty big drop and birdie's explaining gravity and how he won't like pick up that much speed from falling i'm like birdie doesn't understand gravity at all um but they need a certain amount of speed to get him going so he gets on the handlebars of Al's bike and Al starts like, oh, no, it's it's Bertie's bike because Birdie's he specifically bike. says, don't go over the edge. I don't want you fucking up my bike. It's true. So um, and then Bertie is airborne. Yeah, he glides down the hill. Yeah. And then crashes into sewage. Yep. Yeah. Dump pond and uh, <laughs> dump pond. I like that. Uh, dump pond. 
Going out into the old dump pond. Gonna get some dump fish. I got something even for this scene. Okay, go for it. <laughs> yeah, so when uh, they shot this scene in the dump with Birdie going over the edge and everything, they were like, oh, okay, this is... Initially, there were concerns about shooting at this landfill because of the methane smells and like the general uncleanliness of it. But when they do the scene where he flies off the edge... They were like, oh, okay, uh, this is pretty rough. This is dangerous. Uh, we're going to have him land in this pond. And they tested the water and they were like, that is just straight up toxic. We can't have Matthew Modine or a stuntman or anybody contacting that. So they dug their own man-made pond inside of the dump for him to land in. That's how little money this movie was made on, that they just shot an actual dump. They shot in Philly and Santa Clara, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Interesting. Yeah. So let's go back to Birdie in the hospital. Al is increasingly getting a bit more erratic. He is told they're just going to ship his friend off to be drugged in a hospital somewhere for the rest of his life. Yeah. yeah. Al's being his own sanity is being questioned at the time, and they're just going to ship him off back to base. So he is getting more abrasive and angry at Birdie and at himself. Yeah, time's running out yeah. for Al um, or in Al's mind. And his Hail Mary is to call Birdie's mom and have her mail all the baseballs that mm-hmm. she'd kept over the years because she must have been burying them. They're pretty dirty. So they yeah, showed they up look- like, oh, that is a that is a lot of spite, lady. Yeah, it was a suitcase full of baseballs that he just pours out over the floor. And it's like, Bertie, look, it's the baseballs. Your mom kept them. I was like, that's, I mean, everything about that's weird. Yeah. And it doesn't really get the response he wants. I mean, it kind of leads to it. I mean, it really isn't until, like, they are alone and they're about to, after uh, Al threatens the nurse and gets very... I'm not going to leave here. You know, you're going to have to force me to leave. And she runs off to get uh, the orderlies that birdies finally just like pipes up and he's just like, calm the fuck down, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. He just comes out with like, oh, I haven't been speaking because I didn't feel like I needed to. It's like, well, oh, yeah. Then the doctor shows up and it's like, he talked, he talked. And the doctor's like, no, he didn't say like, he did. Birdie talk. And birdie doesn't say shit. And the doctor like runs out. It's like, why didn't you fucking say anything? It's like, I have anything to say. Yeah. <laughs> fucking guy. <laughs> Doing it all for you, bro. I don't know. So then, you know, um, this is interspliced with some non-flashbacks for both of them. And then they're on the run, like through the hospital. Birdie, who's been crouched this whole time, hobbling along. And they make their way to the roof. And Birdie takes his final flight. Yeah. yeah. Birdie climbs up onto the lip, the edge of the roof. And Al's at the door, like trying to barricade it and looks to see Birdie, like lift his arms and like birdie no and birdie jumps and al runs to the edge shocked and wide-eyed and it cuts to birdie being just about four feet down on another landing and being like what <laughs> credits yeah yeah what do you think about the ending <laughs> I, I thought the ending was just a fucking cherry on top <laughs> i did i loved the ending um nick you got your quote uh i got I need, a couple here so i you... need to pull it up all right quick um i was really a big fan of when Bertie presents out with his pigeon suit, like a suit made of like pigeon feathers from their coop. Like, and Bertie's like, this way they'll think you're one of them. And Al, and Al just goes, 
But I don't want the pigeons to think I'm one of them, Bertie. When Al is trying to talk to Bertie about how great boobs are, and Bertie's just like, I don't see what's so great about them. It's just like a cow's, but in the wrong spot. And Al's just like, what? No, you're an idiot. I enjoyed that. Uh, I don't have the actual quote. I'm not going to read it to you. I also uh, did like when they're at the shore and Bertie gets obsessed with how long he can hold his breath for. It's like, count for me, Al. And Al's just one Mississippi, two Mississippi. And like Bertie just stays under the water for a long time. It's like 14 Mississippi, 15 Mississippi. It's the 15th Mississippi, Bertie. Yeah, 15 Mississippi. That's 15. I don't remember the exact moment this happens. I think it was in the insane asylum, but um, he. Bertie says, Al, I flew. And then Nick Cage goes, you flew? How you flew? (laughs) How you flew is good. Yeah. I, I do have just one more I want to share. Uh, it's when it's in the insane asylum and it's when they're like going to take Al away from Birdie and Al's just shaking Birdie. And it's like, it's time to start flapping your wings and beeping Birdie. <laughs> That's good. This movie was pretty good. It was. It was a great movie. It's very enjoyable. It, I think it really suffered from their attempt at getting it into awards. Um, they gave it a limited release. I actually had one last piece of trivia. Al's last name, Columbata, Mm -hmm. is a reference to the genus or species of pigeon, Columba or Columbus or something like that. Interesting. So it's a direct reference to birds again. That's cool. So someone's paying attention. Yeah. This is the the informational podcast. Yeah. This is a science podcast now, and we're giving you all the hard sciences. Brief sidebar. Did you notice in the credits for Birdie that they listed all the birds? Yes. The birds got listed in the credit scene. Yeah. I didn't. And that's awesome. Perda has a stunt bird. Yep. Well, they, they also had, I mean, it was like a, a shit ton of animals that were yeah. involved. In that. There was an actual animal handler in the movie Ooh. who handled like, what? there was like 84 pigeons, some 14 canaries or some a bunch shit. of dogs, a bunch of dogs, like a horse there or was something a cat, for some horses. Reason. Yeah. It was wild. It was a real animal film. Animal lovers. Thanks. So the Wicker Man. <laughs> so the Wicker Man. Uh, California Highway Patrol officer Nicholas Cage. I just rewatched this this morning. I already passed on his name. Ed Malus. Ed Malus. Uh, he. Latin for male or derived from the same prefix for male, which is funny because of the island. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty ham fisted. Yeah, is... it is. Uh, after For Neil which is also you, what I call masturbation. Who are you, Nick? Do we have to talk about Wicker Man, though? Yes. Like, we could just do a two-hour podcast on Birdie. No. No. I mean, you can. That could, be, that could be how this one goes. I'm going to low-key say right now, I love Wicker Man. Uh, okay, we're, we're continuing forward, then. All of its terribleness. <laughs> so, like, way, way back at the beginning, though, there's the, the truck stop. Yes. Which makes no sense. So he, it's important. But Aaron Eckhart is in the background in one of those scenes. Like, what the fuck? This movie has weird. There's weird cameos. Yeah. In it. Okay. So he I, goes and gets like a little girl drops her doll out of a car. No, no, no. I can go back. Oh, you want to hear what I have to say about this? I Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm not just here for a comic relief. Uh, yeah. So like, I, I, it's, it's kind of important. Like you get to set up a lot of, uh, mental instability questions. I'll I'll talk through this with details 
and we'll see where we get. Nicholas Cage, chips cop. He's just riding around being a chips cop, doing cool motorcycle maneuvers, which is to say riding straight. Uh, I do like the one guy pulls over, though. He's like, no, I pulled you over. And the guy was just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how I respond to cops. Few words as possible. <laughs> yeah, I know why you pulled me over. You're a dick. Uh, <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> we got a lot of love for the boys in blue here. The blue man group, right? Yeah, obviously. Anyway, you were saying. Uh, so he's riding along, goes through a couple routine stops. You get to uh, him following a station wagon. Little girl throws a doll out the window. Uh, he's cool. He can lean over and pick up a doll while riding his motorcycle. Let me tell you. That would be very difficult to put your weight off that far to scoop something up off the ground while riding on a motorcycle. Also, it's it's road trash at that point. Yeah, you pull them over for littering. You ticket them and say, go pick up your damn doll. Well, and then when he like gives the girl back her doll, she immediately like throws it out the window again in front of him. But when he goes oh. to pick up the doll, uh, you hear that of the truck that slams into the station wagon. Oh, no, there's so much still. God damn, Sean. Why can't you just watch a movie and remember things? Nick is our context guy. <laughs> so he gives the doll back. He kind of like. You know, it's cool, like, hey, I'm a motorcycle cop. Oh, it's all right. Kids do these things. Why'd you throw it out the window? And she's like, I was bored. And it's like, you're a shitty kid. And then she throws it out the window again. And he goes and gets it. And immediately, like, as he turns around, the car is pancaked by a fucking semi which then catches on fire. Not the semi, the station immediately. wagon. Yeah, that station wagon is made of wicker. Yeah, and so Ooh. he's... He wicker wagon. Wicker wagon. Mm, I'd ride that wicker wagon. So he's like trying to get this like kid and everything out of the car, and he like smashes the window, and the kid's looking at him like she's still bored, and it's like, well, that's weird. And then... It explodes. The, well, the kid and the lady disappear from the car. They're not visible in the car anymore. The camera cuts, cuts back, and it's like, oh, where are they? And then it explodes, throwing Nicolas Cage back. He continues to have, throughout the movie, flashbacks going back to this moment. But then, like, sometimes in the flashback, there's people in the car. Sometimes there's not. When he talks to his partner, he even asks, did they ever find the people? Yeah. And no. No. We've got a mental stability question. This scene is important because it starts to bias us about the narrator. This movie has so many unnecessary red herrings in it. Oh, yeah. No, it's, Be, like yeah. to set up this mystery. And part of it is just whether or not he's insane. He takes the he takes a ferry to Washington. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was more than a ferry ride, <laughs> but... I've been on our ferry system. It doesn't go down to... I was on it today. Los Angeles. Um, goes up to Washington to find uh, this island. Somerset Isle. No? Somers Isle. Somers, Somers Isle. Isle. Which Somerset is, was the... One word. Yeah, Somers yeah. Isle. Which is, they changed because they didn't think Americans could say... Summer Isle? Summer Isle. Yeah. The original is Summer Isle. Okay. So he's on, the, he's on the ferry and he's like clutching the letter and he sees a girl with pigtails that looks like the girl from the truck or who was hit by the truck and also kind of looks like the photo of the girl he's going to find and he sees her from behind and he's just staring and then 
just she's on the outside railing of the ferry just outside the glass and then out of nowhere semi truck just plows her out yeah out of the sky yeah so this guy's got like uh okay i gotta take Ooh, you back. more ptsd even yeah this is a ptsd moving in we we really have done a good job of pairing these things together accidentally yeah yeah so before he even goes back to washington or goes up to Washington to investigate this before he gets the note and everything. We have a scene with him at home. He's taking medication. Like he's medicating himself because of everything. It could be, well, it's not pain because he was never physically injured. He was thrown from the car. Yeah. Okay. So like maybe he, so maybe he like sprained a butthole or something, but he was not physically injured in such a way that he needed to be taking pain medication. So he's taking medication now because of just uh, the trauma of seeing people explode in front of him. But we don't know if he actually saw people explode in front of him because we've got an unreliable narrator and his female cop friend stops by and like checks on him and whatnot. Asks if he's going to go for detective, which this man is a terrible detective. Yeah, he should not go for detective. Yeah, so he gets a visit from her female cop that's yeah, how she's credited cop. and so he goes in like next we see him go into the well uh, she delivers his office. mail i mean she's there to deliver mail that was delivered to the precinct for yeah him. and that's how he gets the letter sorry mm-hmm. i missed that part. a handwritten letter uh by his ex-fiance that her child has gone missing so he gets this handwritten beautifully co- i was uh, i was hoping it was it's be cursive. papyrus but it's not no it's it's, it's cursive Sorry, millennials uh, or Gen Z. Who doesn't read cursive these days? So, but he's off to Summer's Isle Mm -hmm. after this. um, Bribes a pilot who delivers, a male pilot who delivers supplies over to the island. And they're very, they're very secretive. We all have secrets and doesn't want to help. So he bribes him with a hundred bucks. Gets him over there where he is, goes and introduces himself to some of the locals. Goes well. A couple of ladies who... Never heard of the child. Oh, and a bunch of dudes carrying a bleeding sack yeah. that's just wriggling. Yep. And nobody will say what's in the bleeding sack. What was in the sack? And then when he goes to open the sack, it like shakes and he jumps back and doesn't look in it. And we never know. And and then he just takes his luggage and walks well, away. No, it shakes because they shake it at him. Okay, wait. They no. were do- They were messing with him. So did you watch the theatrical version? Theatrical version. Theatrical version. Yeah. Have you seen the uncut version? I have not because you can't rent it. Yeah. I okay. YouTubed the uncut scenes. The scenes. Yeah. Because yeah. I was curious in the uncut if there was anything more about that bag. Was it Was it a shark? I don't know anything about it. I don't think it was a shark. I just think it was just the messianism. But it was bleeding. He's a, he's a fucking cop. How did he not look? He's not a good cop. And okay, that goes... He's not a good cop, That goes into the very next scene because he goes up to... He's on this island that has no hospitality and doesn't want strangers there. Walks in there and Sister Beach, who is a piece of work, first thing she says is like, oh, you're Detective... Yeah, oh, you're Detective Malice. And he doesn't pick up on the fact that he is expected. No, no, it's pretty heavily implied that like... Word is getting ahead also on his trip. Like, oh, this guy's arrived. Because, I mean, private land, nobody ever goes there. It's not expected that people go there. It, it should be it should be expected that word gets up. Uh, the island is way bigger than you think it is. 
It should be yes. a lot smaller. But this island is insanely large for what it is. It, but you could also see where the plane lands from the boarding house. Like, maybe it's the size of Vashon. I think Vashon's a good estimation. Let's, let's make this more regional than it already is. Yeah. Um, let, let's just talk about our one tiny little island. Also, they it's, were expecting him specifically. It's a quick cut, but they said like uh so and so or whatever at this at the guest house or whatever he doesn't know where fucking anything is nobody gave him directions i could be like oh yeah man why don't you just run up to like you know for a movie you this ethiopian place <laughs> for a movie i'm assuming you're not going to vote for you're defending it a lot <laughs> devil's advocate man um i like to talk but either way his uh his lady friend former lady friend mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is willow the- Sister Willow, uh, she can't talk there, so she leaves him a note in his room that, you know, she's being watched and they need to meet secretly. So they go and meet secretly. And Again, she just says, there's a spot out by this thing that we can meet privately where nobody yeah, will look. Out, of, out at the point, Ed. Go, yeah. go there. Yeah. And he's like, I know where the point is. So he, he knew where, there? So he knew where the, uh, the boarding house was. No, the yes. movie is poorly written. he's a good detective. <laughs> <laughs> no, the movie is poorly written. But okay, let's <laughs> terrible. Let's, okay, let's stop getting this noodly too. So we can get to the good stuff. So going back to my whole thing about there, how there are so many weird red herrings in this film. Mm-hmm. There, every, there are twins of almost everybody. Like they're just female twins. Well, it's not necessarily. Rampant. I don't think it was supposed to be intended to be taken as like there's twins of everybody. I think it's their way not of showing that like inbreeding was yeah. a big thing because yes. they had a stable of males yes that they bred with so people that would have just looked like they were related because they're fucking related but they're all of about the same age and walk in a creepy shining type we're gonna walk in unison mode well sure i mean you live on an island you gotta have a hobby what about the the old lady twins the blind ones okay mm-hmm. well yeah. those ones were actually unsettling <laughs> Okay. Not only are they twins, but they're old. So, so fucking throw them in the sound. I, I don't. I don't need any of that. We've already given up the goat that that Not Nick twins. Cage is the sacrifice. So the whole time he's on the island, he starts seeing the girl and starts falling around like he's in the first night he's in his room. He looks out the window and he thinks he sees her, and like chases after her into a barn where he almost dies because the floor gives out under him. Is that the people on the island just fucking with him? Because she is alive and she is in no danger. Are they just like, yeah, this will be fun. I did like the trapdoor gag because it's like, oh, he's in a barn. Oh, you don't see anybody. Don't see anybody. How do we do a jump scare? Take the floor away. Yeah. It's like, ugh, fucking dumb. But he proceeds to just start harassing everyone on this island, like throwing his badge around. And like it matters. Sister he's Beach. Fucking California. Yeah, Sister cop. Beach is the first one to point out, like, this is Washington. Yeah. They like to remind him of that. Yeah. And it's he like, doesn't care. You are way out of jurisdiction. Yeah. He goes to uh, goes to the schoolhouse to find uh, Willow mm-hmm. and meets Sister Rose. Uh-huh. Who's teaching a class about uh, and asks the class what, you know, men's position is. And again, twins answer in unison, phallic symbol, phallic symbol, which hilarious. Also not wrong. All the art in the room is bee-centric. Yeah, everything about the place is bee-centric. Yeah. You get bees on the... Oh, we forgot to point like, out that uh, he uh, kills a bee at the 
at the inn. Oh, by the way, he's allergic to bees. Because he's allergic to bees. Yeah, and he goes to a like a, a uh, bee-centric honey, economy. Yeah, a honey place. economy. Yeah. A honeypot. It, oh, it's, it's a honeypot. So yeah, he's got, uh, and he's got like funny, like, you know, ep bee pens, like funny yeah, bee, bra- <laughs> funny branded epi pens for uh, if you get stung. I'm assuming he didn't want to get sued by Martin Scor whatever his name is. Oh, Martin Martin Screlly, yeah, the, the pharma bro, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wasn't he like fuck that guy? Big on the come at us, Screlly. Oh, yeah, but here's you. here's how you can tell the budget budgetary difference of these two films because in Birdie they had to film at an actual land at an actual landfill. Uh, in The Wicker Man, uh, the one shot of Summer Isle you get is bad, like CG, like mist era CG. Uh, did did you notice that the water met in the middle? Yeah. Because it was bad mist Fucking era terrible. CG and like a lens flare. Okay, Sister Rose, played by Molly Parker, who was on Deadwood. I don't know if you guys watched that one. Oh, that was yeah, good. Deadwood. She was great on that. And she she plays like such a boring character who's so contentious for no reason. You really gotta narrow it down if you're gonna say boring character. Well, and then Ooh. immediately after meeting Sister Rose, he like is getting directions on the road and he meets Sister Thorne. Sister Thorne, who is the twin. For no reason. For no reason. Like, didn't I just meet you at the school house? She's like, no. Oh, but Sister Rose is also the one who is the first one to admit that the child exists. Well, kind she of. doesn't admit. Like, admit. Eventually, after he, like, you know, takes the uh, <laughs> school ledger. Open up the fucking uh, Rowan's desk. The, the little girl's name is Rowan. Uh, open Thank up you. Rowan's desk and there's a fucking crow in it. And then the other kids were like, oh, we put that there because we were wondering how long it would sit in there. And it's like, I've seen birds in boxes and stuff before. They're not quiet. They don't sit there. Wait, we just watched a whole movie about them. Yeah. Also, don't ask why I've seen a bird in a box. <laughs> so, you know, he finds the ledger of class, finds out that Rowan exists yeah, she was a member calls, of this class. Calls all the students little liars. <laughs> like, even when he was showing photos of Rowan around earlier, people would just be like, haven't seen her. And he's like, you know, it's customary to look at a photo before you tell me if you haven't seen her. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> um, Sister Rose tells him there was an accident. And, you know, they buried Rowan. The, like, only actual clues in this film amongst all the other, like, re- again, just so many red herrings that, add up to nothing because it's not even like they tied themselves up to make it interesting they're just there to fuck with him and at which point he's already on the island he willingly came there to save the girl but they keep playing with him because they have to i i think this is a meat tenderizing make him a juicier sacrifice yeah yeah like the, the more anguish would... he goes through <laughs> yeah suffering usually like you don't want an animal to suffer like that yeah, the adrenaline spoils the meat. You don't eat roadkill. Right. But I think in, in the Wicker Man situation, like the suffering is what gives you the the good honey. Okay. Uh, so they beat him up because the blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice. <laughs> yes. Nice. Thank you. He eventually sees Rowan's room and under her desk, she's carved all this whole they're coming to kill me stuff. And he's like, to ask the mom, like, have you seen that? That's troublesome. And, and the mom's just like, children but let's not also start talking like he's doing detective work no he's this, not this guy he's bad at is it. a terrible i've already said officer. that 
Yeah, but he you also talk about it like he's uncovering clues. It's, I mean, he is. I mean, I think they're almost given to him. Like, Again, he's such a bad cop. They're yes. like, OK, have you looked under the desk, though? And he's like, oh, I haven't looked under the desk. Oh, this is troubling. Oh, no, that's just kids. What? They have to shovel yeah, no, he's, all evidence into his face. He's so bad. Oh, when he's when he's eating breakfast, uh, there's a little store bought honey bear. He's like, don't don't you guys make honey? And the girl's just like, I just fucking work here. But she also goes on to say, like, our crop failed last year. Like, we didn't have any honey yeah. because our honey was cursed. That's when he sees the photos of all the girls from previous summer festivals. Because they just display that shit where people eat breakfast. The previous year. It's like, look at these kids we've killed. But Enjoy the, your flapjacks. The previous year's photo is missing because it got broken the night before. Mysterious. And the glass is, yeah, the night before. The glass is just all on the floor. It's like, yeah. This movie sucks so bad. It it's does. <laughs> um, so he finds out the doctor takes all, is the only one with a camera on the island, apparently. Photographs all the kids. So he goes to the doctor and is like, I hear you're the town photographer. She's like, why do you want your photo taken? <laughs> and he wants you know it's like oh i'm looking for last year's photo it's like oh it's in the end it's like no it's not it got broken it's like oh well i have the negative i'll get you a copy also why didn't he just be like i can look at negatives just bring me a fuck yeah. i know how cameras work They're it's 2006 because <laughs> well, he wanted a snoop because he goes a snooping yeah but as a he does the he does the scooby-doo twinkle toes He's been pushing this I'm a cop narrative for so long, though, that it's like, why not just be like fucking slam your badge against the desk again and be like, hey, let me just see the negative then. Because it's a bad movie. I, I OK, I can't but, I can't get over this one, though. She's like pretty humdrum island here. Closes book that says secrets of the ancients. <laughs> oh, <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> are terrible rituals they keep talking about like there's these two festivals two festivals we talk about these there's the festival of life and death or like yeah. the harvest and death no because the second festival is about rebirth which is where they're all fucking that's the orgy oh yeah okay those blind twins are fucking getting down <laughs> with, with weird boil boy okay yeah all right <laughs> talk about the house talk about boil boy yeah so i'm getting the order of operations fucked up here but well, they, they don't matter here. yeah he goes he eventually wants to call the mainland again so he tries to go get the go to the pilot mm -hmm. and the plane is out there and he's calling to it and the pilot's not responding so he's like i'm just gonna wait and he's sitting there and while he's on the dock he looks down and he sees rowan under the dock because he right because the dock has windows in the floor he was told she was a great swimmer or she liked to swim so he looks down sees her goes to the end of the pier jumps off to swim back under it well he he does what any good cop would do in this moment removes his gun badge id and like places it all in a pile too yeah um but goes finds her like finds her body and is like holding it underwater and shaking her and then wakes up on the dock from his from his dream yeah and looks down scare. and then her body is in his hands then he wakes up again. Oh, double dream scare. And what I wanted from the scene, what I was hoping for and praying for, was he looks down, is shocked at the body, and then semi-truck runs them both over. <laughs> Jump ahead a little bit to grave digging. Well, before we get to grave digging, we have to get to him walking through the bee area, the bee 
the way they harvest it. We well, don't. No, but we do because for someone who is deathly allergic to bees, he's just walking by all these bees, not paying attention when he's rolling his bike, when he rolls it right into a hive. Also, talk about that bike. That bike was great. I mean, it was a fixie for sure. It would have only been better if he had rolled up onto somebody's porch, grabbed the bike, and just growled at them, and then <laughs> rode away on it. Episode three. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so he wakes up in Summer Isle's house. Uh, the doctor has... Summer's Isle. Summer's Isle. House. Summer's Isle's is. Summer's Isle's is. <laughs> Summer Isle with an apostrophe at the end, but no S. Uh-huh. I've always hated that. Um, the English language is garbage. And the first thing he does when just he gets... making up rules as we go. Kind of like this podcast. Yeah, there are no rules. Um, first thing he does when he gets out of bed, uh, after being told that they didn't use his EpiPen, but they used the old ways, is no. make sure all the bullets are still in his gun. That'll come into play later. And he meets yeah. well, Summer he, Isle for he the was first a, time. A dumb dumb. Yeah. And he meets Summer Isle for the first time when he first thing he asks is for permission to dig the gra- dig up the grave, and is immediately given permission to do so, mm-hmm. and then proceeds to just. Be shitty to an old woman who is, you know, questionable in her own right. Admittedly, the old deserving. So that he's he's getting like shittier and shittier with Summer Summer Isle. And, you Summer's know, Isle. Summer's Isle. God damn it. I hate both of you. Men are for procreation and we won't be subjugated by men. All right, fine. You're, you know, a weird cult. Don't care. So l- let's hit the beats from here out, right? Yeah. Like he goes to exhume the body. Hold on. I want to point out. That he gets permission to exhume said body, broad ass daylight. He waits until fucking nighttime to actually dig that shit up when well, it's all spooky and baby, shit. That's, that, that's brave time. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's that's you can't you can't you know you gotta do if you if you look like a Nicolas Cage, if no one's gonna question some night digging, you night dig. Well, let's talk about that night digging because he's wearing a full suit and tie. Yeah, yeah, he, he's always wearing a full suit and tie. So he's doing some night digging. Digs up Rowan's coffin, and inside is a doll. With a burned face. Dun, dun, dun. But how did it get burned? How did it get burned? This question will never be answered. <laughs> it's, it's again, it's just the island. It's just the people fucking with him. Yeah. So from, from here, he goes and he fucks with a bunch of children wearing masks. Well, yes, because he's just like, fuck it. I'm going to find what I need. And he just starts going like house to house kicking indoors, demanding to see the children. Mm-hmm. But everybody's getting ready for the festival, so, so they're, they're all wearing, wearing, like, woodland creature masks. Yeah, animal masks. Um, he steals another bike from Sister Rose, who's got a crow get-up going. Mm-hmm. Sister Thorn now, totally gone. Yeah, pulls uh, pulls a gun on Sister Rose to get the bike. Yep. Um, gets to the, goes to the beach, finds the pilot finally, because when he gets back to the beach, the plane has been sunk, and he finds the pilot who's been murdered Missing an arm and has like some his wicker bits shoved in <laughs> wicker bits shoved into uh, his fleshy film. bits, kind of like you know a wicker man of sorts, which is a word we haven't heard at all in this film yet. He goes back to the house and Sister Beach is talking with one of uh, the old biddy he met when he first got there, and how the old biddy had dealt with the pilot. The old biddy excuses of like, I'm gonna let myself get ready and leaves. Sister Beach opens her smart mouth without saying a word. Nicolas Cage just fucking socks her in the face. And she just goes down like a sack of potatoes. Because they were, they were talking about Sister Beach's um, bear costume for the celebration, for the festival. 
Right. And like Nick Cage starts... The ladies were talking yeah. about it pre-Nicolas Cage and intervention. Nick Cage starts looking at the bear costume like, this will be a good uh, disguise. And Sister Honey comes out of nowhere screaming and like jumps on his back. They mm-hmm. they tangle for a bit. And then he <laughs> karate kicks her in the face into the wall of photos. At this point, the festival is in full swing, which again, I'm going to remind you, he is going to be the key component of Yet people are trying to stop him at this point. The mystery is bad. The blacker the bear, yeah. Tenderize that meat, baby. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he gets he gets bared up and he goes to the festival. Willow's there and he said, you know, I thought I told you to stay home. She's like, I can't. It's the festival. Summer's Isle is painted up like the uh, weird space racists from that episode of Star Trek where you're black and white on one side or white and black opposite and they hate each other. Because mm. racism. Then she's doing her little like woo hippie dance through the fields, yeah. leading leading the townsfolk to where there is Rowan uh about to be burned at the stake. Fucking finally. And yeah, we finally get there. That's when, you know, Nick Cage bears out and runs up, grabs the girl grabs the girl and run. But Rowan runs off. He chases Rowan and she runs into a field where everyone's waiting for them. And Rowan runs up to uh, Willow and goes, did I do good, mommy? And that's when like the pin drops and it it was all a setup. And this is where Summer's Isle is like, you have an appointment with the wicker man. Yeah, this is where we pieced it all together, because before this, we were just along for the ride. We didn't understand. Very like, puzzling. So yeah, it, it was a mystery. And, and the whole premise is they needed well a written. gallant knight to come of his own accord to save a child, which he did come of his own accord. They do also talk about how the the blood bond makes it stronger and better. So, too. yeah, well, because he's so. Rowan's father. Yeah. Which, okay, yeah, that's like a big reveal. And then all of a sudden he's just like, my baby, my child. Oh, I know. He fucking hammers that one down. It's like, how did you not expect that to be your fucking kid from the beginning? He gets, he pulls out his gun. He's like, starts yelling people to back off because they start advancing upon him. Oh, he kicks a couple more people. Kicks a couple more people. Yeah, he does. Um, And then, you know, eventually. Showing off that Brazilian jujitsu. You know, when they all start actually advancing upon him, he like. Pulls the trigger and nothing happens. Like he was going to shoot Rowan, right? Not Rowan, um, Willow. Willow. Right? Oh, he's just going to shoot some bitches. Yeah. He just shoot he's going to start just popping off like a good cop. I do like uh, Sister Beach does show up and, her, and she, just has like, she just has a slight bruise. And then, you know, it cuts to black and you just start hearing bones breaking and him screaming about his legs. Yeah. Um, Which in the unrated version is where you would see the torture scene where the bees. It's actually fucking gnarly the way they break his knees so this movie they were afraid of actually getting an nc-17 rating because of the violence in it and they dialed it back and actually weirdly how they ended up doing it was they just took out the video and left the audio and then they just pour a bunch of bees in a fucking swimmer's helmet and so, make him wear it yeah so then they take him to the wicker where we see the wicker man they string him up pull him up there there's a bunch of Goats, pigs, chickens, they're going to be sacrificed with him. And then so he gets hoisted up to the head and uh, Rowan lights the sacrificial pyre. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's like, no, baby, don't do it. Don't do it to daddy. Don't don't burn me. There's no we have we have a well-established relationship. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that is kind of the uh, flavor they're going for. Uh And uh, yeah, they burn the wicker man. And uh, then we cut to what, 10 months later. 
Uh, so this scene actually is only in the unrated version. Interesting. The or sorry, only in the rated version, like yeah. the theatrical version. In the unrated version, you don't get this like post scene. So there's this weird like yeah. If weird... I read this correctly, what, what did they do instead? Just he burns. That's just the end of the it. movie, which is oh. the proper end. Of not the even film. like not even yeah. like some bees. <laughs> yeah. No. There's, there's the... no James Franco in yes. the originally scripted film. Yeah, the most problematic part about the film, James Franco's in it. Yeah. And Jason Ritter. James Franco and Jason Ritter just uh, graduated the police academy. They're at a bar and they find they see uh, Sister Rose and Sister Honey across the bar. They sit down for a drink. Uh, Rose takes That's Ritter. Willow. Willow. Yeah, no, Willow takes uh, Ritter off to get them drinks and Honey's like, can I go home with you? And it starts again. The Wicker Man. The Wicker Man. Then more papyrus happens, and then the movie ends. All right, let's let's do quotes because I mean this movie is fucking absurd. Yeah, uh, I don't really have a quote on this one. I have a scene that I really enjoyed the best. I mean, we touched on it. It's when uh, Nicolas Cage goes in near the end and takes the the suit from sister beach because it, it's not so much like this scene just fluidly happens. He doesn't like come up and like look, and then the, they're standing next to each other and he decks her. It's like he comes in. Then there's like 10 seconds of him walking across the room and just cold cocking her. Yeah. Like there's this oh, step, 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 wham. And she's out. And then like, Honey comes in and he fucking karate kicks her into the wall. And then he just goes on this rampage of just beating the shit out of the women on this island. And I don't endorse beating women, but when they're psychopaths who are trying to burn you alive. Oh, the Sean Connery defense. Yeah, you get one free punch per woman. That's the rule. One per woman. Don't edit this out. This is not going in. (laughs) This is my favorite part of the movie. You gotta put it in. Look, I'm not okay. I mean, my my favorite part is also somebody getting punched in the face, and it's it's when he's in the costume. He's in the bear costume. He uh-huh. runs up to his daughter. Who did he punch? Who? Was it a woman? It, it was a woman. Okay, now you have to keep it in. Yeah, you can't not keep this in. So he runs up to her and he's like, "Don't be frightened. I'm here to help." It's like an entire stranger in a bear costume. Cold cocking a woman in front of you and then just being like, I love you. Yeah, to be fair, he thought she was going to be burned at the stake. Yeah. Um, okay, I do have a quote. When he is looking for Rowan and like kicking indoors, and it's the first house he goes to where he starts like demanding to see the children's faces. And um, the mother's like, Do you have permission to do this? And he just turns and screams at her, You have my permission to stay the fuck out of the room, to stay out of the fucking way. Okay. So, uh, what I gather is, all of our favorite moments happened within moments of each other. It's like, oh, no, I this mean, movie I... is wacky and I'm here for it. You know what? I'm going to take Nick Cage at his word. He is proud of the acting he did in this film. And he was mad that it wasn't advertised as a black comedy. Yeah, I mean, so that's fair. I'm going to take his word on it because it's funny as fuck. And I had an amazing time watching it twice. So, yeah, I mean, let, let's get down to it then. I'm going to make my case that this is the more cagey film. There's more screaming. There's more caging out one is one is a better film 
Yeah, I know. We've had this exact <laughs> argument before. And I, now I think the tables are just flipped. Yes. The Wicker Man is so funny and so dumb. And I I have so much fond memories laughing at it. I think I would be more inclined to agree if we had watched this before Left Behind. But at this point, the fucking floor is out. Like, the basement is out. There's no... I've seen bad movies now. Yeah. I've seen real bad this movies. Is, and this isn't as bad it's as not, Left Behind. It's not even a quarter as bad it's as Left Behind. It is funny. And I do enjoy watching it. I would enjoy watching it again. I could watch it right now. Birdie is a Birdie is a special time movie. Birdie's, yeah. Birdie's a movie you watch with your art house friends. It's a lot of, it's a, a good one to watch. It's not fun. No. I don't know that Wicker Man's a fun movie. I don't know. I mean, maybe when we watch it next, we'll just be drunk, but it's going to be the uh, next one. I think we have a winner. This movie slaps. It wins 100%. Uh, I don't know. Tiebreaker. My endorsement is not nearly as strong as Peter's. Sorry, Nick. I think you're right, actually. But in terms of watchability, like... No, it's the I same argument we made. Like, yeah. we, not that we have to stick to our own rules. No, they no don't the matter. rules are made yeah. up and they don't matter. I'd rather watch Wicker Man against another movie and see how it air like airs out. Um, what's what's up next, Peter? Oh, it's uh oh Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider, and Dog Eats Dog, Dog Eat Dog. Yeah, so we get some uh, weird mustache Willem Dafoe and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ghost Rider, which is a very spiritual movie according to Nicholas Cage. Any last thoughts, or are we good? Don't punch women unless they want to burn you alive. Then punch women. But you only get one. Only one punch. I'm well, sure I'm sure Sean feels the same way. Fuck Seafair. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of mouth breathers gopping at the air. <laughs> I we, we love found our Seafair. We found our post. <laughs> <laughs> mouth breathers gawking at the air. Fuck. All right, hang on. Sorry. You cannot. Do you, do you remember the chocolate rain guy? And he, he explained, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. He explains how like to make sure you don't get like breathing noises on mic. He goes like off. Yes. Yeah. Turn my head away to breathe. And then whatever sing. his words are. Like, sing. <laughs> drink your fucking drink off mic. I'm just, trying. Just because you turn away from the mic doesn't mean you. Yeah. Move it away. Here's, or, here's your you... volume levels. I'm just going to go over here. And... <laughs> okay. If you want to take a drink, look at me in the eyes and make a drinking motion with your hands. Okay. And I will turn your mic off.